Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the long-awaited return of the It's a Trap podcast. My name is Cam Brennan, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Mr. Dave Hogue, from across this fine internet of ours. What's up, man? Hey, how are you? I am doing A-OK. I am super pumped to be back and to revive this show from the dead. I am excited as well. I'm going to even use the word giddy about the fact that we have brought It's a Trap back because I truly like doing this podcast and I'm excited to jump back in and see where we go over the next, well, the unforeseeable future. I hope there's years and years to come of It's a Trap. Well, the good news is, is there are plenty of movies that we have yet to watch. Our list for future episodes is quite long, so that's good. Now, if you are new to the show, which is extremely likely because our last episode was two years and four months ago, uh, so if you somehow still have this podcast in your player, like, and you just never deleted it, and you get a and new episode, <laughs> and it popped up, please let us know, because I want to do, I don't know, some form of cool thing for you, because that's fantastic. Um, but yes, It's a Trap is a podcast all about great movie characters. Hence the line, you know, it's from Admiral Akbar in Star Wars. Oh, it's a trap! With all of his, like, goofy, fishy anyways. <laughs> uh, so we don't talk about great movies. We don't talk about, you know, great movie series. We don't talk about bad. We talk about great movie characters, regardless of whether the movie they were in was good or bad or somewhere in between. Mm. So we do have six previous episodes if you want to dive into that back catalog. And obviously you can pick and choose uh, characters that interest you. Um, but this episode, Dave, who, uh, who is special enough for us to bring the show back for? Well, we are going to be talking about Tyler Durden. I think that's his last name. <laughs> yes, Tyler Durden. Uh, Durden, which is played by Brad Pitt. In the movie Fight Club. Indeed. So Fight Club's from 1999. And again, that's the other thing. I can't believe that was 20 years ago. Uh-huh. So that's just yeah. crazy to me. So it's Brad Pitt and Edward Norton are the uh, main characters in the movie. And uh, well, why don't we just share a few quotes of uh, that we found funny before we dive into exactly... Who Tyler is, what what makes him such a great character, and you know all all of the other things that we want to hit on here in this episode. So, Dave, hit me with some of your favorite Tyler Durden quotes. Okay, can I actually hijack what you're doing and say yeah. that if you have not seen this movie, you need to stop the podcast and watch the movie. There are spoilers that are coming. And this is a movie, personally, so for Dave Hogue here, uh, I did not know what this movie was about when I watched it, and it made it so much better. And on top of that, you will need to watch it twice. You're not going to watch it the first time and go, hmm, yeah, good movie. You're going to be like, oh, I need to watch that again. So. It's true. I am just going to give that caveat at the beginning. It has been 20 years, so if you haven't seen it and you've stumbled <laughs> upon this podcast and you find yourself in that situation, please, 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 please go and watch it. Uh, the other piece that I will say is that it is rated R. It is very rated R. Language, violence, 
and while there's not gratuitous nudity, nudity, um, in fact, uh, they claim that the nudity is CGI, uh, but there is a sex scene, um, and it's it is rated R movie. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. So, if you're okay with that, then please watch it. So, now can I jump into quotes? Yes, and good caveat. I totally spaced on the whole spoiler alert, but you are correct. You definitely need to stop the podcast if you've not seen the movie, because we're about to ruin it for you. Yeah, and it, it truly is one of those movies where it's far better if you don't know. So. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that I even have funny quotes. This was like, I watched this with like such a, um, it's an incredible enjoy. I find it enjoyable. I think it's entertaining. Um, but I think I watched it from a, a more uh, serious standpoint than you did. Um, and that was not intentional. That's just kind of what I got out of it. So, um, and I'm not sure that I can do the quotes justice, but. Uh, so the first one is is Ed Norton's character, which is simply referred to as the narrator when you look at mm-hmm. the character. And he is referring to Brad Pitt's character, Tyler Durden. And it says, you had to give it to him. He had a plan, and it started to make sense in a Tyler sort of way. No fear, no distractions, the ability to let that which does not matter truly slide. And that just struck me as, I, for me personally, something that I desire. I desire to be that person that if something does not matter, to truly let it slide. And I think that was something that Ed Norton's character, who is also Tyler, desired, was to let things that didn't matter truly slide. And I think I, I would be I would venture to say that that's probably every human being that's ever walked this earth is this desire to let things go that really just don't matter because it seems so so often we get consumed by the things that the things that that keep us up at night the things that keep that distract us that stress us out are really things that in the whole scheme of of everything really aren't that important so that was a quote that stood up to me not very funny Maybe not all that entertaining. No, but I mean, it's struck that's... to a truth that I found to you. Yeah, be valid. Well, I have a few funny ones that I'm just gonna rattle off real quick, just because they made me laugh out loud. LOL, as the kids say. So that when uh, he first meets Tyler on the plane and they're sitting next to each other, and he tells him why do planes have oxygen masks? It's because oxygen gets you high, right? And he he goes, look, it's right <laughs> here. And he flips open the pamphlet and he goes, points to the people, blank faces. Call them as Hindu cows, which made me laugh out loud. <laughs> okay, that is funny. Yes, and then um, just one of his like he has lots of little like passing comments like that, where uh, you know he asks the narrator like mm, clever, and he goes, "How's it working out for you being clever?" And then Ed Norton goes, "Good," and he goes, "Okay, keep it up then," and walks away. Uh, let's see. There, there is a, a serious one where he says, "The things you own end up owning you." which mm. is a, a theme about the whole, you know, anti-materialism, anti-commercialism, anti-consumerism, you know, bent that Tyler and all of his subsequent minions are, are you know, uh, pursuing. 
And then this was an interesting quote. He says, we're a generation of men raised by women. I'm wondering if another woman is what we need. It's like, mm, that, depending on the crowd, that quote could not go over too well. But I mean, it does speak to a generation that was raised, you know, a lot of them raised by single moms because mm-hmm. the dads were just not there. But I think, uh, two, two funny ones. Uh, they're talking they, they, throughout the movie, they, the back and forth, oh, what celebrity would you fight? What famous person, you know, what person from history would you fight? Like they quiz each other. And then, so Tyler asks Edward Norton, you know, what, what, you know, famous person would you fight? And Edward Norton goes, I'd fight Gandhi. And there's like an awkward pause and Brad Pitt just goes, good answer. And like cut scene and they just move on. And you really <laughs> think like, he's about to fight Gandhi. <laughs> and then, uh, well, I'll just give, um, two more. Sticking feathers up your butt does not make you a chicken. <laughs> which just funny and ow personally that just wouldn't be you know my type of thing and then at the very end when uh tyler the narrator in the front uh seat of the car with the two project mayhem guys in the back and it's raining and they're having that argument and they he lets go of the wheel and just lets happen what would happen and they crash and then tyler pulls the narrator out of the car and just like laughs and goes oh we just had a near life experience near life experience yeah that was one yeah. of my quotes yeah instead of near death and you're like wait a minute yes that's and so like it really kind of reflects his idea of like forcing himself to rock bottom by all of the choices and the anti-society stuff is just forcing yourself to rock bottom so that you can experience what really matters and get rid yeah. of everything else and it's pretty extreme. Yep. So those are, yeah, those are all the memorable quotes that I had. Um, but yeah, calm as Hindu cows. That one got me. <laughs> so one of the ones that did make me laugh out loud, and this is just crude, is, <laughs> is, is when he meets Bob for the first time. And he goes, this is Bob. Bob has <laughs> And it's freaking meatloaf too. It is like meatloaf, what? Yes, as in Ugh. Paradise by the Dashboard Light, 1970s rock opera star Meatloaf. What a name! And but then he goes on to explain why he has them. But it really is kind of it's very early on in the movie, and just the term kind of makes me chuckle. So I'm gonna um, have to bleep that. I'm I'm embarrassed to say that, but. <laughs> The reality is, is that was something I laughed at. That is the direct quote, so you're good. So, another other quotes that I had, again, mine were a little bit more on the serious side, was uh, Marla is a female character in this, and she is the love interest. Mm-hmm. And he basically says, her lies reflected my lies. Yeah, her lies reflected my lies. And so there's kind of this idea of that by her being present and doing what she was doing, his lies became reality. And something about that just really struck me in terms of, you know, I kind of live in this place where my lies are my lies until they impact another person or another person kind of reflects those lies to me. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the fact that her lies were my lies um, hit me as a very, like, uh, that is very true. I even think it's kind of a turning moment for um, Ed Norton's character in terms of 
uh, well, we'll reflect more on the plot here in a little bit. Another quote was, on a long enough timeline, the survival rate for everyone is zero. It's a bit morbid. It is a bit morbid. Interestingly enough, I did hear it today. I did hear somebody say that. So in the, well, I almost wonder if I need to come back to this quote. So, or if we maybe need to reveal the actual plot line. Uh, But there's this parallel when Ed Norton's character comes to a realization as to who Tyler Durden is. It parallels this this flight theme that's throughout the movie of please return your seats to the full upright position. And then he says, we had just lost cabin pressure. And that kind of is in conjunction with what you're talking about in terms of they pump oxygen into the uh, the airlines to keep people from panicking because Tyler or the narrator the narrator becomes to comes to a realization about Tyler. So mm-hmm. maybe we should enlighten our listeners or those listeners who know what's going on as to what the tension is between the narrator and Tyler Durden. So I'll give my best shot and you can you can correct or or add as I do. The narrator is completely He's an, he's an insomniac. He's totally kind of over his life. He's stuck in the rut. He can't sleep. He, you know, buy, he obsesses over buying Ikea furniture for his condo. And he meets Tyler on a plane. Uh, although there are cut scenes in the beginning of the movie where, like, Brad Pitt's character shows up for, like, one or two frames and then disappears. And you think it's, like, an mm-hmm. editing error. But as you learn about who Tyler is and the fact that, you know, he is a at night he runs film at a movie theater and he cuts in pornographic images into children's movies because he's just a swell guy. But it, it makes sense then to go back in the movie and go, oh, yeah, 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 that makes sense that the editing error was there because that's really Tyler starting to appear in the life of the narrator. And by appear, as what I mean is as the movie progresses and, and you meet uh Tyler and his relationship with uh, the narrator begins to evolve and fight club starts happening and all of the the convenient ways that the narrator is only present in certain times and then absent in others specifically around Marla you begin to wonder and then as the movie comes to a climax you realize Edward Norton is schizophrenic has split personality like whatever the, the correct technical mental health term is I do not know Dave that's more probably your area but Tyler is a figment of the narrator's imagination. And it turns out the narrator's name is actually Tyler Durden. And so we come to this climax at the end of the movie where he comes to the realization that he's the one that's been behind Fight Club. And they show cutscenes from earlier in the movie where he's just beating the crap out of himself mm-hmm. in the parking lot. So, and then redoing scenes where it was Brad Pitt, but now it's Edward Norton saying the same lines and the same thing. And... It's really quite, uh, it's really well done. Like, how they do it is just, I mean, mm-hmm. David Fincher's an incredible director yep. for a reason. Like, this is, it's just, the entire movie is so well done and so well uh, put together and filmed in the storyline and all the little things, like, like you said, oh, bringing cabin pressure. Like, he talks to himself a lot and has those little moments where you're like, what is he talking about? But then in hindsight, you're like, oh my gosh, I get it now. <laughs> so that's, that's a super uh, brief overview of just kind of the general plot as far as Tyler Durden and Tyler Durden yes. are concerned. So, yeah, I agree with, um, so Ed Norton is the narrator, has this very boring life. 
and he runs into Tyler Durden, who's played by Brad Pitt. And Brad, Brad, Brad Pitt's character is actually just a, a personality uh, for Ed Norton, somebody that exists in his mind. And generally, that's the way it goes when it comes to um, split personalities, is somebody who has split personalities doesn't have multiple split personalities. They generally have a second personality that manifests itself. And as you watch this movie, fairly early on, Ed Norton's character, who's bored with his life, has these blackout moments. And based on my experience with people who have multiple personalities, there's generally one. And when that second personality, or a third, or a fourth, whatever it may be, whenever that, the other personalities manifest themselves, manifest themselves, the true person does not remember what happens when those alternate personalities manifest themselves and, and act. And so early on in the film, Ed Norton's character goes to the doctor and basically says, I black out and I wake up and I don't know where I am. And so mm -hmm. the premise would be, in my interpretation, is, is that that is the Brad Pitt character, the alter ego that is coming out. And he is doing things that he has no idea uh, what they are. And the doctor really kind of, the doctor really kind of doesn't acknowledge Ed Norton's uh, mental illness and basically kind of puts him in this situation of, uh, you you want to feel pain. You want to know what what it's really like to have to deal with a crappy situation. You need to go to these uh, meetings where guys are dealing with. I believe the first one he goes to is testicular cancer, and which is why he mm -hmm. meets Bob, the meatloaf character. Yeah, it's the, the he's he goes to seek help, and the doctor's like, get more exercise, get more sleep, which is hysterical because yeah. he can't sleep. And then, and then that that is sort of the the cry for help that gets ignored, and that sets these dominoes in motion mm -hmm. of going to these meetings, and that's where he starts. He gets addicted to going to all these self help meetings, or not self help, like uh, group therapy mm -hmm. sessions, and he goes to all sorts of different kinds, uh, like a, a guided meditation one, where we find out that his uh, what his his spirit animal is a penguin. Yeah. Which also made me laugh out loud because why is that in the movie? But okay, but uh, but after he goes there, that's when he comes across mm -hmm. Marla, yeah. Marla Singer, his his arch his yes. arch nemesis, and that's when he were like she shows up at testicular cancer. Well, clearly, she doesn't have it because she's and a she's woman. Smoke, and she she's can't have testicular. <laughs> she yeah, she's smoking at all these things, just like like a chimney, and uh, so he kind of calls her out like, "I know you're a liar." And that's kind of, I think, where he realizes that he's faking it. And so if someone else comes in to fake it, chances of him getting caught are probably higher. Uh, and so he, they have this sort of, like, agreement they come to after she steals clothes from the uh, dry cleaners and walks down the street to the, you know, this uh, resale shop and sells them. They come to, okay, I get these, you get those, we're never going to see each other again, that sort of thing. And kind of is left at that until she reappears in the movie a little bit later yeah. um, because of Tyler Durden, Brad Pitt's yeah. character. 
So yeah, so that's um, he he goes uh, Ed Norton's character, the narrator, goes to the first uh, testicular cancer support group, meets Bob, they hug, he cries, and he actually has his first sort of good night's sleep that he's ever had in a long, long time. And then in the process, like Cam said, he, he runs into Marla. Uh, they're both going to these support groups for something beyond themselves, kind of to belong, kind of this freedom to be vulnerable. Ed Norton's character even says something to the effect of, the less he says, the worse everybody assumes that it is. And and he yeah. kind of even embraces that. So so the two of them are going to these support groups. They decide they need to go sep- their separate ways, which they both agree to. Uh, Ed Norton's character works for a company that I get is, it's something to do with like insurance or repo or... Yeah, he works for a car company, and he's the uh, like the reca- recall. Oh, the recall. That's like, right. Uh, almost like an actuary, he goes in and he does the math. He's explaining this to somebody later in the movie, where he takes the the cost of replacing right. the part times the number of times it's going to fail times the number of cars out there, and if that number is less than the cost of what it would be to recall the part and fix it, right. they don't do it. They just let the yeah. people die. Which would, you know, it's kind of a really, really sad, and you, you, you would understand why someone in that position would just become so apathetic yeah. about life in general, because it's about money and not actual yeah. people. And that was a very true statement about the Ford Pinto in the 70s. They realized that if the Ford Pinto was rear-ended, that it would explode and be engulfed in flames, and they weighed the cost of recall versus allowing it to happen, and they did. So I think that's probably one of the more tangible examples of that happening so as he's on one of his flights he crumb he comes across tyler and they meet on an airplane and again in hindsight we realize that meeting never happened that brad pitt's character tyler is just a figment of ed norton's character's imagination and when they let's see when they land at the airport he ends up he ends up stealing Ed Norton's character's luggage. Anyway, he 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 st- he steals a car. I know he does that. Yeah, he hops in a red Camaro and takes off. But then Edward Norton gets takes a cab home and finds condo. all of his IKEA. Yeah, his condo, all of his IKEA furniture burning on the ground because someone blew his apartment up from like the fifteenth floor or whatever. And so he has to find someone to stay with. So he calls Marla and then hangs up and then decides to call Tyler Durden, who he just met on the plane earlier. And they go to Lou's, which becomes the uh, home of Fight Club. And then they go to Tyler's just absolutely disgusting dump Mm -hmm. of a home in like the industrial part of town. And, that's that's how their relationship begins, and when they're at lose, they start fighting each other, and that is the beginning of the new therapy, which is getting the crap kicked yes, out of you. Fight Club, indeed. Uh, so the first rule of Fight Club 
is you don't talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. Uh, the third rule is someone yells stop, goes limp, or taps out. The fight is over. Fourth rule, two guys in a fight. Fifth rule, one fight at a time. Sixth rule, no shirt, no shoes. Seventh rule, fight goes on as long as it has to. And eighth rule is if it's your first night, then you have to fight at Fight Club. And Nailed it. The first fight is actually between Tyler and the narrator, which is in hindsight revealed to be uh, Ed Norton's character basically beating himself up in a parking lot. Yeah, he pulls a Jim Carrey from <laughs> Liar Liar and just beats the crap out of himself. Yes. So, the first rule of Fight Club is not to talk about Fight Club. The second rule is not to talk about Fight Club. But what happens? Or what do we assume happens by the growth of Fight Club? That people are telling people about Fight Club because new people keep yeah. coming. And it turns out, we find out later in the movie, that Tyler has been using all of the free vouchers he essentially blackmailed his company into giving him to travel around the country and establish fight clubs all over the country in different yes. cities. And all elements of... For someone who's anti-consumerism and commercialism, <laughs> he's very entrepreneurial. He's a very, very savvy businessman. Yes, with the soaps, selling back, yes. selling back women's butts back to them to clean their bodies because he'd go to the liposuction clinic to use the fat to render to make the soap, which is just so stinking funny. Yes. So they, they go and they steal fat and they turn it into soap and they sell it to places like, I don't know, do they ever really, they, they imply that it's high-end retail. I won't yeah. name any names because I don't think they do in the movie. No, they're very good about like when when the lady asks Edward Norton what car company he works for, he says one mm -hmm. of the big ones. Like they're very good at not singling out people uh, to make it, you know, I don't know, libel or whatever. But all right, so you mentioned Mr. Lou. Mr. Lou shows up at one of the fight clubs, and I think I I guess I personally think this is one of the. In more intriguing episodes or or scenes in the movie, maybe, maybe not so much. But what happens when Mister Lou shows up and tries to throw his weight around? Well, it's clear that that, that Lou is definitely uh, involved in what would be called as organized yes. crime, and he has one or two of his heavies with him with guns, and he rolls down there to figure out what's going on, and. He uh, Tyler antagonizes him and antagonizes him and antagonizes him to the point of letting Lou beat the crap out of him. Bloodies his face up really bad, doesn't fight, just does everything he can to keep getting hit. And then he essentially, if I remember correctly, he tackles Lou and then lets his blood from his face drip like all over Lou's face and yeah. in his mouth. And he keeps saying, you don't know where I've been. You don't know where I've been. And like hysterically laughing, ah, you know, like. Say what you will about Brad Pitt. He's got a very good, crazy person <laughs> laugh. Very yes. convincing. And he does it essentially to scare Lou from ever coming back and getting permission to keep the Fight Club alive in the basement. And, you know, by dripping his own blood in a man's mouth and saying, you don't know where I've been, he's insinuating, I've got diseases you don't <laughs> want, and if you come back, I will yes. give you them. Or you might, already, you might already have them. Um, but yeah, he goes full-on whack job to uh, 
intimidate and scare the mobster who came to intimidate and scare him. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's he's very, very, very clever and smart in how he does everything. And uh, even though he doesn't know he's doing it until the very end, um, yeah, he's he's very, very charismatic and good at drawing people in when he wants and getting rid of people when he wants as well. He's like a master manipulator almost. Yes, very much so. So uh, we've mentioned the the boss, Ed Norton's boss, calling him in uh, to give him, I think, his eval or to fire him. And Ed Norton starts to beat the crap out of himself and screaming. Only only once the boss is called security. And he even, so this is another quote from the movie. He says, I thought of my first fight with Tyler. (laughs) So, Hmm. isn't that telling? So again, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's worth watching this movie and not knowing the spoiler. So please do that if, you're made it this far and you haven't watched it well at this point it's too late we've already (laughs) ruined it so yeah so he gets something out of his boss uses it to his advantage he gets he gets his year's salary and Mm -hmm. flight coupons so that's how they fund the army that they build and all the flights that he takes to go around the country to start flight clubs or fight clubs elsewhere which is funny because again with their with their whole anti-materialism anti-consumerism stuff he blackmails a major corporation into funding the thing <laughs> that is meant to take them down. Yeah. I mean this fo- this movie's just it full really of is. ironies like that left and so, right. It's it's very well done. Which reminds me one of the the e, the is it easter eggs that they call them? Probably should know that if we're doing a podcast about movies. Easter, yeah, Easter eggs, yeah, like little hidden so things they little, put in for clever no, people to I, find. I'm under the impression, I haven't had the chance to really sit down and watch this, that there are um, Starbucks coffee cups in like every scene. And if not in every scene, like <laughs> multiple scenes. So, kind of a jab at Starbucks? I don't know. I don't know. Which is funny because it was, I mean, it's mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Yeah, Starbucks wasn't. I mean, Starbucks was obviously around, yeah. but not yeah. like it is now. Where you can, you know, walk out of a Starbucks, walk across the street and go into another one in certain mm-hmm. places. About where we're at in terms of our just dialogue, I recall there is a scene with a store clerk and Tyler Brad Pitt's character goes in and takes him out back and holds him at gunpoint. And he basically says to the clerk, what is it that, uh, what is it that you would be if you could be anything, or why did you go to college, or something to that effect? And basically the guy says that he, was a, uh, he wanted to be a veterinarian, and that he gave up because school was too much work. Too much too money, much money. I think. And yeah. basically Tyler says, you need to go back to school or I'm going to kill you. Well, and he he calls this, he tells Edward Norton, it's time to make a human sacrifice. And he rolls in with a gun. And so Edward Norton is thinking this whole time, he's just going to shoot this kid in the back of the head Mm -hmm. execution style. But yeah, he he essentially scares this kid. Yeah, kid, he's in his 20s. Yeah, this young man into 
doing what he actually wants to do. Because if you don't, because he takes his driver's license, he's like, I know where you live, I know your name, I know your address. If in, I think he said, if in six weeks you were not in school to be a veterinarian, I'm going to come kill you. And then what's interesting is later on in the movie, when, I think when Edward Norton shows up back at the house after he's done all of his jet hopping to trace, you know, all Mm -hmm. the stuff down, and he comes back to the house and the house is empty, and he goes up to Tyler's room, he shuts the door as he walks out of the room, but the camera hangs there for like, a second and a half and on the back of the bedroom door at the top it says human sacrifices and there's like I want to say 12 rows of like driver's license 12 yeah and so there's like 60 driver's licenses nailed to the back of this door I'm like he did this to like so many people (laughs) well see so I assume that's I assume that's everybody that's come to the house I assume that's everybody that's come uh, I don't know, because the only time he ever used the phrase human sacrifices the, in the movie the is when is when he pulled that kid out of the store. Yeah, and I'm thinking, so that's just telling another story that isn't even in the movie. It's just, this is what he's been doing. He's been going out and finding people and threatening them mm-hmm. with death to go do what they want to do instead of wasting their time, you know, being a, a mall cop right. or, you know, w- whatever it is. And so... Well, I would never, ever advocate violence towards another human being to get them to realize what it is that they want to be. And I mean that with all sincerity. Don't do that. I can also genuinely tell you that I had a conversation today with a man who was diagnosed with colon cancer and basically giving a 10%, a 10% probability that he would live five plus years and he's lived, I think he's in close to 15 years after that. And he essentially just said, I look at, he, like he just said, I look at differently. I look at life differently than most people. He says, I feel like I've been given a gift because every day is special to me. I think being uh, face to face with your, mortality and uh, life coming to an end and having experienced that in a very real way uh, causes somebody to embrace life in a different way. And again, I would never advocate for what Tyler Brad Pitt's character does, but I think this movie, this movie really speaks to an element of you will live life to its fullest if you have experienced this, 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 this concept of my life is fleeting, it is not a guarantee, nobody promises me tomorrow, and I will be far more satisfied if I pursue that which is the desire of my heart uh, versus settling for what is convenient, what is easy. I guess my, the, that aspect of the movie I appreciate. Uh, while I don't agree with it, I think there is some truth that is spoken there in terms of you give somebody a gift by showing them just how temporary their existence on this planet really is. Yeah, and I think that's the thing for me with this movie is I can agree with a lot of the mm-hmm. sentiments of why they're angry at society and why they disagree with a lot of the stuff that's happening and causing people to live lives that are unfulfilling because they have to, you know, keep up with, you know, the Joneses or whatever, where, where I strongly disagree with 
the movie is the the route they take after they've come to the realization that there's more to life than money and possessions. Yes. As a Christian, I would not really <laughs> partake in the things that they that they did, nor support them. Though it does make for a very captivating movie. So, <laughs> but yeah, like the sentiment, I get the uh, the working out of those feelings. I I do not uh, agree with nor no. support. I would have to agree. Marla, she is a interesting aspect to this storyline. And what she means to Tyler, what she means to the narrator. Any thoughts on Marla? Uh, it's really complicated. Like, she's obviously a person. She's like the the female version of Tyler mm-hmm. to an extent. Except the fact that she's right. real. And I don't really think she's down with blowing <laughs> buildings up and stuff. But she's very much unhappy with life and is, you know willing to overdose and call Tyler on the phone to come save her because what's life anyways and why not just die and all that stuff. But at the same time, she has real feelings for Edward's Norton, Edward Norton's character. The trick is, whenever Edward Norton's character is with Marla, it's as Brad uh-huh. Pitt. And so Edward Norton has no recollection of any of the time he spent with Marla, which is usually like, according to the movie, hour-long sex sessions, which, you know, good thing there's no neighbors <laughs> in the half mile because it's so loud and annoying, and I was like, thank God I have headphones on. My wife would be like, oh, what are you watching? It's for a podcast, I swear. But so when she comes down, especially the first morning, like Edward Norton's character is a total jerk right. to her. In her mind, they just spent the entire night together and in edward norton's mind he was asleep and he's just eating his breakfast like nothing happened yes and so there's that that constant conflict of what he doesn't know is going on until the very end of the movie and her feeling like she's being used and thrown aside like you know trash so you get to see like a human side to her and how she reacts to edward norton treating her like garbage so it's like, despite the fact that she's like severely broken and has, you know, some deep seated issues, like she's still a person and she still expects to be treated uh, respectfully by someone that, you know, she is clearly in a uh, romantic relationship with. So Right. And as, so as you watch this movie again, with the understanding of Ed Norton's character really having a split personality. Where Brad Pitt's character is not a separate individual, but is actually a manifestation of who he is, kind of, kind of the 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 masculine, confident aspect of who he wants to be. The interaction between Marla and Tyler, the interaction between Marla and the narrator, that when I watched it the second time was really what just struck struck me as kind of that oh wow she like she's not in on it she doesn't understand what's going on and she's very much coming from the perspective that ed norton is who she's been sleeping with ed norton is who she 
I, I personally would like to say she loves. Uh, Ed Norton is the person that she desires to be with. And at one point, he even, I think it's a phone call, where he reaches out to her and basically says, have we been intimate? Doesn't use that word. And she's like, yeah, we've been intimate. And not only are we intimate, but then the next day you're, you're a jerk to me. And at one time you're compassionate and you're loving and the next minute you're a complete hole and the next minute you're this and the next minute you're, you're that. And it is Ed Norton's character engaging with her where he comes, like her response to him is this realization of, there is something more going on here that I have not been aware of because it's clear to him that Marla has only seen Ed Norton's character. He hasn't seen the Tyler character. And so she's a big part of him putting the pieces together and realizing that things are not uh, the way they should be. Yeah, and in fact, I believe she's the one that tells him your name is Tyler yes. Durden. Yeah, yeah. I... And how he would not, how he would not know his own name like that. You'd have to kind of like, okay, just let that one slide because, duh, you're gonna know your own name, unless I'm speaking completely ignorantly about someone who has you know multiple personalities. But I don't want to you know do that. But it just seems kind of mm-hmm. silly that he doesn't have a name. It's convenient. It's great for the story. It it sells the the plot twist at the end but so yeah and then they build this army uh, essentially mayhem, I think. to yeah to carry out project mayhem and they recruit i mean they've got security guards and police mm-hmm. and caterers and like all of the the working class that serves the upper yes. class uh essentially on their not payroll because they don't care about money but as part of this project mayhem so that they can take their homemade soap and all that other stuff and make a bunch of bombs and they can clear out the buildings and set up the final, uh, you know, coup de gras at the end of the movie to tell the man, ha ha, suck it, all you financial people. We're going to erase the debt record. So now you don't know who has what and we're all equal again because all the money is gone. Yeah, and there's 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 kind of this I can't remember exactly, but I, I do think there's an element of like no lives are lost from these buildings being collapsed. That they're either vacant or they're empty because of the time that which they're doing it. But uh it's still a major it's still a major attack on capitalism. Act of well, it's an act yeah, it is, of terror, well, it's a terrorist is what act. It is, yes, but... very much so. The implication is is that Tyler, the alter ego, has done this, and that um, Ed Norton's character has not done it, and that he truly wants to love Marla and he wants to pursue her, wants to be in a right right uh, relationship with her. I guess that's where we're at, right? Because because it's yeah. it's it's there's Tyler and and Ed Norton's character, and there's this. Well, so Tyler Tyler kidnaps. Edward Norton's mm-hmm. character. In, in, in essence, it's, it's kind of this idea that the alter ego has taken control. The alter ego is winning. 
Yeah, and at this point, Edward is Edward Norton character has done everything. He's gone to the police. He's tried to give himself up and tell them the address of the place. And he's put Marla on a bus to get her out of town. And he's he's trying to do everything he can to stop this from happening. And that's when Tyler Durden goes into overdrive, kidnaps him, and uh, kind of takes him to this very similar scene to when uh joker and batman are fighting in that warehouse you know very similar feel so they can watch you know the buildings about to crumble yes yeah i hadn't thought about that that is very accurate and so you know uh tyler durden is explaining you know talking all the stuff counting down and then at some point uh edward edward norton's character i don't know if he's had the gun the whole time because he had it when he shot at Tyler Durden in front of the van, and he did that. Whoa, whoa! Which is just—I just love Brad Pitt's and and antics. Like when he goes 120 percent on stuff in this movie, it works perfectly for I me. I would agree with that. Like, say what you will about Brad Pitt, I, see, you know, like and all Brad of Pitt, like the. So. He, he's a good. He's a he good, good actor. actor. He's a good actor because he's. Pr- I think him and Edward Norton in this movie were an incredible yes. pair. Because I mean, Edward Norton's yeah. a good actor too. Everyone just gets, you know, gets on Brad Pitt because, like, he's pretty and all the Angelina Jolie and all that nonsense. But, like, whatever. I don't care. As, as an actor in this movie, he was yeah. phenomenal. And so I think he gets the gun when he tries to go to the cops. He tries to go to the cops and tell them. Right. That's, he steals yeah. one of their guns. And then, but I'm trying to think, does he have it? Oh, no. That's right. Here's the twist. Uh, Tyler Durden, or, you know, Brad Pitt's character has the gun. And then Edward realizes, okay, we're one and the same person. That means the gun's actually mm-hmm. in my hands. And then all of a sudden, the gun is in his hands. And he says, he puts the gun in his mouth and pulls the trigger and somehow survives, blows out like his mm-hmm. cheek, but like is able to talk. Yeah. You know? No. There's no way you're going to blow out your cheek and not damage right. your jaw. I mean, one in a million, no, maybe. It doesn't but happen. <laughs> yeah, um, you would know better than me. I'm, I'm just gonna guess. You, you people survive putting guns and they blow the front of their faces it, off. Yeah, like, people do survive. They have no yeah. more jaws, but much more yeah. damage. Uh, yeah, and so he he shoots himself in the face through the mouth. Brad Pitt's character dies. Marla's there. All of the Project Mayhem dudes are like, holy crap. Like, there's one, as they're going down the elevator at the end, one guy goes, did he shoot himself in the face? And the other guy goes, yeah, he's still standing. <laughs> tough dude. Like, he's like, what a tough yeah. guy. He's like, but that's like the quintessential fight, fight club thing is, I've had enough fighting. I'm going to shoot myself in the face and just like, oh, I'm good. Like, but then him and Marla are standing. He's saying things are going to be different now. And then the Pixies uh, song, where's my mind starts playing and all the buildings start, you know, that really, that really cool guitar riff. Yeah. And then that's say la vie. That's it. Roll credits. I watched this movie 20 years ago. I enjoyed it. Still enjoy it. The part that bothers me a little bit in all of this. And again, it's, it's, there's an element of it's a movie. And so, you got to leave it there. It's a movie. It's Hollywood. It's sensationalized. It is not even remotely based in reality. The thing that struck me when I watched it this time was kind of this idea of, like, suicide is the solution. Um, I realized that Ed Norton's character shoots himself through the cheek and doesn't hit any, you know, anything, you know, didn't hit the spinal cord, didn't hit his 
uh, brainstem, doesn't hit his, you know, frontal lobe. Basically, he does nothing to disrupt uh, what happens in his brain and his central nervous system. But the um, Brad Pitt character actually has the back of his head blown out. Yeah, completely and so blown out. So there's kind yeah. of this implication of Ed Norton kills the Brad Pitt part, the alter ego, by putting a gun in his mouth and pulling the trigger. And I, it, it really just hit me in a different way because I, I don't mean to be melodramatic. I have seen people who have put a gun in their mouth and pulled the trigger and have killed themselves. And so it just struck me as, I feel like there's this false message that, I mean, well, well there's just kind of this implication that gun, a, a gun, pulling the trigger on a gun solved the problem. And that's kind of one of the problems with American movies, yeah, American cinema, is that a gun and the willingness to use a gun just solves a plethora of problems. And so... You know, I guess first and foremost, I would just say if you are a suicidal person, that suicide is not the answer. Even if you're struggling with multiple personalities, it is not the answer. You are not going to destroy uh, that alter ego. You are not going to destroy whatever you may feel is evil about you um, by putting a gun in your mouth and pulling the trigger. And there are an infinite number of places to get help. I'll even say you can give me a call. <laughs> if you want to talk, I'm happy to talk with you. I'm going to do something I've never, ever done before. You can call me, 785-423-1741. And I kid you not, 785-423-1741. May not pick up on the first call, but I'm more than happy to talk to you if you leave me a message and explain what's going on. Because suicide and putting a gun in your mouth and pulling the trigger is never the answer. I will just leave it right there because that truly bothered me when I watched the movie this time. That's totally fair. In a way that it didn't bother me 17, 18, 19, 20 years ago. Well, I will say what bothered me about it was the fact that he blew his cheek out and everything well, was fine. I, I absolutely agree because that does not happen. Right. And I just, be, I think because of the work that you do, you are more prone to the response you had than I was, which was just being ignorant of the whole mental health problem yeah. anyways. It is what it is, yeah. I guess. And, but And again, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but there, there kind of is this mentality in America, in American movies, that guns, solves, that guns and the willingness to use a gun solves problems. Again, I'm going to use a letter four, four-letter word. This is the biggest crock of shit I've ever heard. That does not happen. Guns do not solve problems. I use a gun. I'm willing to use a gun. I believe they have their place. It is not mental health. So, anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> it's all, all right. good, man. It's all good. Any uh, any other thoughts on the character? From an entertainment standpoint, um, I truly believe that, and I, I, I have not comprehensively completed this list for me but this is a it, this this movie falls in that it's a worth a watch it is worth engaging with ed norton and uh brad pitt and and the message of what they're saying in terms of 
material things do not buy you happiness, that mental health is a very real issue, that I think all of us are longing for something more. My second soapbox is, is I believe that something more is Jesus. Again, different place, different time. We can talk about that, but that's what I believe. And I do think there's kind of this just there's there's an implicit uh, redeeming quality in movies. Part of the reason why I think I enjoy uh, this podcast so much of that. Um, I think there's much commentary about our society and who we are and the problems that we deal with. And that um, I don't know why I get a kick out of getting talking about these kinds of things and um, hope to, to hope to do it more and to do it for a while. So. I'll shut up. I will just say, and we can close on this, my only dislike of the entire movie. I had a lot of likes on it, you know, uh, just a really a lot more to talk about uh, this movie just in general, but this is a character show, so we're <laughs> not going to do it. Um, but my least favorite thing about Tyler Durden's character, Brad Pitt, is his 3% body fat. It's just rude. <laughs> it's just rude, is all I'm going to say. Like, eat a donut, I read man. somewhere that Ed Norton broke his hand on Brad Pitt's stomach, like punching, or broke his thumb, broke his thumb punching Brad Pitt in the stomach, so. Well, the dude was <laughs> shredded in this movie. It's just, I'm just, it's I'm rude, that's I'm, all I'm going to say. I'm jealous. I wish I looked yeah, like that. <laughs> I was sitting there drinking, I was sitting there drinking a beer while I was watching, I was like, I, I should not do this anymore, I should like, go do a lot of sit-ups right now. Where's my kale? Yes. All right, well. Until next time, uh, I guess watch more movies that are good. <laughs> we don't really have a sign-off. We need to work mm, on that. Mm. Okay, uh, we'll be back. Oh, if you want to get in touch with us, suggest movies, tell us that we were wrong or what we forgot, or just to yes. say hey. You can call Dave because he gave you his phone number because he's I did. crazy. I am um, crazy. <laughs> you can. <laughs> and I will talk to you. I promise. You can get Dave on Twitter at David J. Hogue or call him on his phone. I am not giving you my <laughs> phone number, but you can get me on Twitter as well at Cam Brennan, or you can email us hello at supermegacorp.net because this show is a part of the Supermegacorp podcast family. So if you go to supermegacorp.net, you will see a list of our uh, other podcasts that we have. So if somehow this is the one that brought you in, welcome to the corporation and, uh, Look around, listen to more shows, and get in contact with uh, the people and the friends, and we're happy to have you on board. Thank you guys so much for listening to this very long discussion about Tyler Durden and the movie yes. Fight Club. David? End, End scene. scene.